in a small town in Northwest Ohio, sports were very, very important. Thousands of people in this little town would follow high school football or basketball or volleyball, which meant when you were a young kid, like 10 or 11 and playing youth sports, they were taken very seriously as well. So I remember as a fifth grader, having basketball coaches that were cut from the cloth of Bobby Knight or Bob Huggins, screaming and cursing at us fifth graders, throwing chairs against the ball if we weren't taking practice as seriously as we should. Very, very intense. Kind of using fear tactics to scare us into playing hard and training well so that we one day could be great high school athletes and carry on the strong tradition of this town. Along the way, there was also some other coaches. Coaches who were less dramatic, perhaps. Very intense, but were more into encouraging, trying to inspire us to play hard, not by yelling and screaming, cursing, but helping us realize that they believed in us talking us through the difficult moments and the losses, learning from them. And at the end of the day, those coaches probably were the ones who were actually more successful, who left a larger impact. It doesn't take a psychologist to realize oftentimes we can get more accomplished by encouraging and affirming than bullying, yelling, and screaming. I was thinking about that contrast in coaches that I was thinking about today's second reading. There's that great line St. Paul's letter to the Thessalonians said, God is a God of everlasting encouragement. God gives us everlasting encouragement. That's part of who we believe God is as Christians. Persons who encourage us, affirm us, support us, see good in us, believe in our potential, and try to inspire us to live up to that. Not by bullying us, but by loving us. That's who we believe St. Paul, or writer of the letter of Thessalonians, was talking today to a community that was divided, a community that was going through very difficult moments, moments of suffering. And he says throughout that letter that they could find consolation and encouragement by looking to Jesus, by seeing how he entered into their lives, how he suffered here on earth, and how he persevered in charity in the midst of his suffering. And so his challenge to the community was that they too would persevere in living lives of charity in the midst of the suffering, the tension, and the problems they were going through. And so, of course, the challenge then for us is, yeah, who is God inviting us to encourage today? How can the God of encouragement work through us as we try to encourage other people? The first reading gives a great example of the power of encouragement. It was these brothers and their mother going through a horrible time of religious persecution. So if you want to read chapter 7 of the second letter, the Maccabees, you'll find a lot more blood and guts and gore than we heard in today's reading. Today was kind of the polished, uh, family-friendly version. It took little snippets, but the parts they left out are filled with all kinds of horrible physical and psychological tortures. They least persevere. How they get through this time of incredible suffering? And the letter seems to make very clear that it was through their encouragement. The mother encouraged her sons. The sons encouraged each other and their mother. And it was through that encouragement that they persevered and hanging on tightly to living their faith well. 
Who is God inviting us to encourage this week? We're nearing the end of ordinary time, and the church gives us these readings, and we're thinking about the bigger picture, what's life really all about, the end times, what will our life really be worth in the end, what kind of meaningful impact we've made. Certainly there's going to be, as we get to the end of our lives, things we look back upon and say, yeah, that was really important, I made a difference. But perhaps some of the most impactful things we'll do are not things we've done, but the people we've encouraged and the things they've done. A legacy we'll leave is not just the things we've accomplished with our own hands and our own minds, but the people we've inspired. We then have gone out and done things for God and build up this kingdom. We're called to be a people of encouragement. Now, as I was praying with this weekend's gospel, it brought to mind a temptation I know I face, perhaps you do as well, when we're trying to encourage other people, which is to use encouragement as like a veiled form of nagging, of bullying, of trying to get other people to do what we really want them to do for us. So we are encouraging them, but it's really just a way of telling them what to do, um, rather than actually inspiring them to live up to their full potential. We met the Sadducees in today's gospel, they were trying to maintain their control over the religious establishment. They were encouraging Jesus to clarify his teaching on the resurrection, but they really didn't care about that. They were really just trying to show how much they knew and why they were right and everyone else was wrong. They lived very comfortable lives. Remember the aristocracy. They were trying to just maintain that level of comfort they had in society. And they didn't really want to encourage Jesus. They were really trying just to manipulate him and to show themselves to be superior. Sometimes we can do that too. We can encourage others, but we're really just doing it for our own sake. So one of the questions we can ask, is this really going to help them? Is this encouragement really for their sake, or is it actually for my own, which is kind of a selfish motive? How can we inspire others? To live up to the potential they've received from God. Draw that out of them and help them to live life well. That's what we're called to do as a people of encouragement. It's interesting that several decades, not that many decades, around the year 70 AD, the temple is destroyed in Jerusalem and the Sadducees literally disappear from the religious world of that time. While the community of encouragement that Jesus founded remains. We live a life of encouragement. We tap into the God of the living, as Jesus said today. And our community grows, flourishes, and our relationships grow, and they flourish and they remain, they last, they persevere because of the encouragement we've offered to each other. And start your vocations for the Diocese of Toledo. I invite you to pray with me this weekend in a special way for the young people of this parish, particularly our students. God's calling them to a vocation, a particular call in life which is a call to encouragement. Think about the vocation of Christian marriage. It's a call to encourage one's spouse and one's family in good times and in bad and sickness and health and really everywhere else in between. Vocation to the priesthood is a call to encourage other people by bringing them sacraments, by bringing the God of encouragement, by preaching in a way that encourages them in their faith and charity, and by being a leader within the community, a servant leader bringing people together, encouraging them to love each other. The consecrated life, sisters and brothers, again, they live this radical way of life that's meant to raise our vision, encourage us to think about the kingdom of heaven, 
see that this earth isn't everything, but our ultimate goal is life with God forever in heaven. The single life, life of freedom in certain ways in the ties of uh, a spouse or religious commitment like priests or sisters, are able to use that freedom well to encourage others. Oftentimes people that are looked over or live in the peripheries, those single life people are able to reach out to them and encourage them. It's kind of messed that we pray that all of us will embrace our vocation to encouragement. As we encounter now the God of encouragement and holy communion, we'll allow God to use us this week to encourage each other to grow in faith and charity together.